when it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And a very good morning to you and it's the first day we are playing Christmas music on the programme so you can expect Christmas uh, music throughout the day here on C103 and obviously as we're closer to Christmas we'll start to play more and more of it. We've been talking of late about the lovely mild weather we've been having uh, this year. Well maybe we spoke too soon because Met Erin are now warning us of unsettled and rather cold weather for the week uh, ahead. We're looking at temperatures overnight going below zero and of course if it goes below zero. We know what that means. We'll be waking up to frosty morning and we'll also be waking up to icy stretches on the road. We do have some rain uh, for today and temperatures around 7 to 11. It's still it's sort of in double digits for part of the afternoon but then tonight those temperatures are going to go back to minus 2 degrees. That's going to make it quite frosty and when there has been some rain today we can expect icy stretches on the roads tomorrow. Tomorrow will start off with a persistent spell though of heavy Heavy rain gradually moving in from the southwest throughout uh, the day. It's going to also become breezy tomorrow, but temperatures starting to fall tomorrow, four to nine degrees uh, at best. Rain after dark then tomorrow night. Wednesday morning is going to be a dry morning. They're predicting frost and ice. Afternoon though, good dry sunny spells, but again chilly, just 4 to 7 degrees Celsius. A slight rise in the temperatures on Thursday, but then they're going to fall back again on uh, Friday. So get out the winter woolies. It certainly is beginning to feel a lot like Christmas, certainly from a weather point of view. Maura, thank you for your text this morning to say, Patricia, may I be the first to say um, to sincerely thank C103 for Magical Blarney yesterday. Went along with my grand children and my daughter and we had a magical day. Santa was brilliant and please don't start me on the PC brigade. I heard you teeing up with Simon in the last hour. My blood pressure just won't take it. When in Rome, please folks, do as the Romans do, says Maura. And Mags has also been on about this saying, Patricia, PC brigade, it needs to stop. I love that song Baby It's Cold Outside. If I went to a Muslim area and decided to rock around in shorts and a bikini, how long would I last. They also need to leave our cribs alone, says Mags. And in case you didn't hear me uh, talk to Simon, it's the politically correct brigade out in force and they're attacking Christmas this time because it's to do with 
the song that we, I think, most identify with it as a Tom Jones hit, even though a lot of other people have recorded it. Baby, it's cold outside. It started in the US with a radio station in Cleveland, Ohio. They hit the headlines at the weekend when they went public by saying they were removing Baby, It's Cold Outside from their playlist. It's a song, by the way, that was written back in 1944. It's been recorded by a host of people, including Michael Bublé. Lady Gaga also has a version of it, but it's the Tom Jones one. Certainly is the one that we play on this radio station. I think it's the one most people uh, will identify. Anyway, over in Cleveland in in Ohio, they believed the song was out of step with the Me Too movement due to the persuasive lyrics sung by the man to the woman because it's always traditionally sang as a duet he's quite persuasive to the woman trying to get her she wants to go home he's trying to get her to uh, stay Uh, and they say because of that it's not in line with Me Too so they have decided to ban it now they put it up on their Facebook page that they were banning it and seemingly 94% of the listeners said they were wrong and that the song should stay during the festive uh, season critics are also suggesting that the line say what's in this drink that she the girl says at one stage, the female singer in the song, that that's a reference to date rape. And I have to say, hang on now, Tick, this song was recorded in 1944. I don't know if there's anything like Rohypnol that people put in as a date rape drug back then. I just don't know. Are people really gone too far? But bringing it a little bit closer to a home, uh, Christmas FM dropped the song and I think they dropped it, um, I don't know if it was this year or last year. They initially say they dropped it because it wasn't popular and that nobody had ever requested it and they decided to to drop to drop it, but when it was suggested to to them that the lyrics were of a different era and might offend people, they kind of leaned towards yeah, that could have been one of the reasons we decided uh, to drop it as well. So it, it it has been dropped, and of course the BBC wasn't it last year the BBC um, was put a censorship oh, actually it wasn't last year I'm just I'm just seeing it was back in 2007 that Shane McGowan and Kirsty McCall's fairy tale of New York was uh, censored the broadcaster reasoned that the line you scumbag you maggot you cheap lousy faggot might offend gay people and they removed the word when it was played on Radio 1 it also faded out the word slut in the song um, um, and then, now that the Fairytale New York has been going around since 1987. So anyway, they decided to fade out the word slut, but then the listeners started to disagree and they started getting phone calls and emails and texts and tweets and they decided that they'd roll back on that. So they did. But I don't know if they have still edited out the you scumbag, you maggot, you cheap, lousy faggot. I don't know if that bit is gone. Uh, from We certainly play that. And again, that's one of the songs that we would have a lot of people at requesting. So baby, it's cold outside which camp are you in? Are you with the politically correct camp that feel, yes, this is out of step with Me Too. So much has been done for the Me Too uh, movement and we should do nothing in any way to take from women who have been sexually assaulted and anything we can do to help women that have been sexually assaulted to promote, um, to get, to, to particularly to get them to go forward and to seek the help that they might need or to go along to the police station and and report what has happened uh, to them and it's it's so fantastic that people are able to stand up and say yes I, I am in me too I am part of that campaign but I just don't know if this is the if this is political correctness gone 
way too far with this song. But anyway, let's put it out there. Let's see what people have to say about it. Are people in favour of what the Cleveland, Ohio radio station did? And should we also be considering not playing the particular song? Because I checked with uh, Simon, who looks after our music here at the, at the radio station, and he says, yes, it is included on our play at list. If you're a fan of Rod Stewart, make sure you stick around today. I'm going to be playing a clip of a song from Rod Stewart and we're going to open the phone lines later on giving you the opportunity to win a pair of tickets to go to see Rod Stewart live. Rod Stewart is playing in Porky Cueve on Saturday the 25th of May. Tickets by the way are uh, available at ticketmaster.ie and if you've got a Rod Stewart fan in the house it certainly would make an ideal Christmas gift but your chance to win a pair of tickets today on the programme and we've more to give away across the week here on Cork Today on C103. Now coming up on the programme uh, this morning, would you like to see a ban on mobile phones in restaurants? This is something that has been suggested by a restaurant chain in England and they're doing it in because it's, it's a kind of a family restaurant and they're doing it because they want families to sit down with the children and the adults. Everybody put their phones away and just sit around and have a nice family meal and chat to each other. If you've been out lately for a meal or you're heading out to a meal, you might be going somewhere for a Christmas party or a Christmas get-together, just look around in restaurants. It's something that has irked me, I have to say, for quite some time. The amount of people that will go out for a meal and I've, I've actually wa- watched and witnessed people who haven't even spoken to each other. Bar, look at the menu, tell the waitress what they want or waiter what they want to eat and then both on their phones or you could have a group of four or a group of six people out together and everybody spending most of their time on, their, on, on your phones. Why you would go out, you must as well order your takeaway and sit at home and eat on your own. Eat your takeaway and stay on your phone. I can never understand it. So, very interested when I heard that this rest, what this restaurant is doing in England. So I'm trying to find out is it something that would take off here? Would it be hard to put in place to actually put a strict ban in place that if you enter my restaurant then you've got to leave your phone, you've got to switch your phone off or you've got to leave your phone somewhere you're not allowed on your phone for the duration of your meal. How do people feel about that? Would you like, is that something you would like to see encouraged here? How Gas Networks Ireland are planning to turn slurry into gas. It's a project that's going ahead in the Mitchellstown area. Uh, we'll be finding out about that on the programme today. Greyhound tracks to begin early morning racing. Now this is creating controversy and worry for groups that work with people addicted to gambling. It's two greyhound tracks, one in Kilkenny and one in Waterford. One is starting in this month in December and then one is going to start uh, early in the new year. And I'm talking about having greyhound racing starting after eight o'clock. So you'd have a greyhound meet that would be on first race, I think at 11 minutes past eight and you'd have various races between then and say half past ten in the morning. Now I'm wondering how many people, I suppose if you're retired and you're into greyhound racing or you're on a day off and you're into greyhound racing would you consider going at that hour of the morning to a greyhound track? I know there's a big following and people are fans of greyhound racing but I'm just wondering about going at that hour of the morning. Anyway, we'll look at that on the programme. We're also going to find out about St. Coleman's College in Formoy. Last week the boys from Transition Year class recorded a charity single. Now I imagine it was a great uh, experience for them but they're doing it for one of their own. They have a classmate who unfortunately has been diagnosed with cancer and he's become a patient of Cumberland Children's Hospital 
and the boys back at school said what can we do to support him and show him we're there for him and you know to give him all the encouragement that he needs guess what We'll record a charity single and it's going to be launched this week so we'll have the details of that on the programme today. And it's the first Monday of the month so that means Annalise Dressel, our nutritional therapist, will be joining us on the programme and um, um, on um, the first Monday of the month we let you, the listener, dictate what you would like to hear Annalise talk about. So if you've got a question for Annalise, uh, get it in to us. Bernie is taking your calls. John Paul on a day off today. So Bernie is taking your calls. 1850 You can text or WhatsApp 0862 103 103. It's the most wonderful time of the with the kids jingle belling and everyone telling you be of good cheer. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the half happiest season of all. With those holiday greetings and gay happy meetings when friends come to call. It's the season of all There'll be parties for hosting marshmallows for toasting and caroling out in the snow There'll be scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago It's the most wonderful time of the There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time of the Scary ghost stories and tales of the glories of Christmases long, long ago. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be much mistletoeing and hearts will be glowing when loved ones are near. It's the most wonderful time. Yes, the most wonderful time Oh, the most wonderful time Of the year Now that's a lovely Christmas song. That is Andy Williams and it is the most wonderful time of the year. Tim and Bandon on this baby it's cold outside being dropped because of the Me Too uh, campaign. Uh, Tim says what in the name of God is happening to this world? Me Too and gender neutral. What a load of rubbish. Play the song and to hell with everybody else and other suggestions of Christmas songs that you may have we may have to consider dropping uh, could be things like driving home for Christmas because that's environmentally unfriendly. You shouldn't be driving home for Christmas. 
you should get on the train or you should jump on uh, the bus. Uh, you also, uh, what about Santa Claus is coming to town? That's an unidentified stalker invading privacy and making threats to uh, children. So that's another one that they may have to consider uh, dropping as well. And Merry Christmas, everyone. Men will force himself onto women under the mistletoe. So that's one that they are looking at. <laughs> anyway, uh, the list could go on and on and on. And every single Christmas song that's there, we could find some reason why we need to uh, ban it. We're going to be talking in a couple of minutes about the possibility of when you go into a restaurant, a ban on your mobile phone. The idea being, let's get everybody back talking around the table when you're having a meal. But if you're going on a transatlantic flight, will you please, please remember to either switch off your mobile phone or put it into flight mode. And if you don't, then we know there's a safety issue around doing it, but if you don't, it could cost you money. And uh, trans- Aer Lingus have coming out with this warning, particularly to their transatlantic um, passengers, that there are sky-high, pardon the pun, roaming charges, even if you never look at your phone but if you inadvertently leave it switched on, you could end up with a huge bill. And this particular issue has come to light because one passenger, this is Conor Pope writing in the Irish Times, uh, says he was contacted. He inadvertently left his mobile phone on. He put it, he had it in his hand luggage. He put it in his overhead compartment. He was flying into the US. He didn't look at his phone once. He thought he had it switched off. He thought he had it in airplane mode, but he didn't. Then he got a bill from his phone provider, which is AT&T, and the bill was for $300. He contacted AT&T and saying, what the hell is this bill for $300 all about? And realised that the time of the charge, he was on the flight. AT&T told him the charges were racked up by antennas installed on the plane that operate outside an unlimited international roaming plan. The antennas can automatically connect with your phone that are not in in in-flight mode or that haven't been switched off and therefore they run up the charge even if your phone wasn't used. Aer Lingus now have confirmed, yes, that passengers who fail to switch their phones off could be hit with these unexpected charges and they are high, high charges. Uh, It said it could not be held accountable for passengers ignoring what are very clear instructions they say. For safety reasons before every flight, Aer Lingus cabin crew advise customers to switch their their phones to airplane mode and and you're right, I have never been on uh, a flight where that hasn't happened where we're told you, you know, it's one of the one of the things you're told along with put on your safety belt, you're told make sure, make sure that your phone is either switched off or is in airplane uh, mode. So you are told about it. Now on most transatlantic flights there are in there is in-flight Wi-Fi that you can pay but you that's a fee that, that you pay and by the way Aer Lingus and any of the other airlines don't make any money as a result of this this charge is directly to your phone provider so you have been warned when you get on a plane switch it off OK we're going to take a break and we're back talking about this suggestion and idea that restaurants would ban mobile phone use You're listening to Cork Today on Replay Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, Irish restaurants say they are unlikely to follow a British train which is trying to ban customers from using mobile phones at the table. Frankie and Benny's is the first chain to ask customers not to use their mobile phones. The restaurants say they took the initiative after research revealed 72% of children wish their parents 
parents would spend less time on their mobile phone. Claire Nash runs Nash 19 in Cork. She says it will be a difficult policy to replicate and uh, Claire joins me. Good morning to you, Claire. Good morning, Patricia. Uh, and, and you're very welcome. Is, Thank you. Is it very noticeable, the number of diners using mobile phones while having yes. a meal? Yes, I think actually that it was the children that had said 72% of their parents were using their mobile phones too much. And possibly if it had been the other way around, I'd say probably 95% of parents would have to say the same about the children. So, uh, you know, I think we're just in an age of phones, tablets, social media and, you know, all that new ways of communication. But I think when it comes to the table, that it is a pity that from a family perspective or people going out for dinner together that a phone, you know, phones are always landed on the table. And we find it here, the minute you put down your menus, the phones could be straight up on top of them. Or at least there would be a phone per person or some class of a tablet on the table. But in in, in Irish restaurants, I don't think that that would be something that we could enforce or that we would be even interested in enforcing. I think the bigger picture is just that we lament the fact that that is the way it is going. Yeah, it's, it's killing off the art of conversation. Well, I think it's killing the art of conversation and it's certainly stunting the, um, you know, the art of restaurateurship. And for us to be giving hospitality and to provide service, it's very difficult when, you know, you're about to explain what's on the menu or can I tell you about what's just come in from Union Hall or some producer might have dropped something delicious into us and we're, you know, we're really cracking on wanting to talk about it. And you're looking at four blank faces going, oh, sorry, were you saying something? And, you oh know... Oh, my God. Mm, so, it's... But, having said that, I operate a restaurant that opens at 7.30 in the morning and an awful lot of people have to come in. Or when they come in, of course, they're checking up on their phones and an awful lot of my customers do business on, on the yeah, phone. They yeah. may not necessarily have Absolutely, an Absolutely, I can appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. So, I think because restaurants are what is perceived or counted as a restaurant has now... Or, you know, we're all classed in the food business. It could be anything from a takeaway, a fast food joint, um, you know, a petrol station that has a couple of seats and serves whatever out of a, you know, out of a cool area or a cool box, right down to fine dining restaurant. And I think when it comes to fine dining and evening eateries, I think it is nice and would be lovely if people just observed a little manners and kept the phone use to a minimum and certainly um, left the restaurant if they were taking a call because nobody wants to hear anybody blabbing on. You know. Yeah, I, I remember being out uh, for a meal one night with my husband and there was four gorgeous looking girls and they'd gone to <laughs> great effort. You know, the hair, the makeup, the eyelashes, the yeah. whole lot. Yeah. And the four of them came in and they yeah. sat down and every one of them took out their mobile phone. Now, literally for the entire meal, uh, they were all each, not one of them spoke to each other until one said, selfie, selfie. And they all got into this group selfie and they all put on the big smile as if like having a great night, you know, and yeah. then straight back to phones. And I'm thinking, girls, you're completely, you're going to look back on this photograph going, oh, what great night. You all sat in your phones. I know. I know. It's just, it is just the way it is now at the moment. And I'd say it's going to pass. I think it's a fad of taking pictures of food. You know, the minute the food goes down, they're clicking the food. But I find the Asians do do it an awful lot. A lot of our um, visitors from overseas would do it when you know, as soon as they the food comes that they're sharing, yeah, right across their their whole network of what they're eating. But you know, I mean, but is just, that is that good for business for you at Nash Nineteen for somebody to say, "Whoa, God, that looks like a gorgeous meal." It is when it's relevant. But right. I mean, if they're taking a picture of you know their first cup of coffee or their first. Oh, yeah. You know, or like their, you know, their eggs on toast or whatever. Yeah, I, yeah. I just sometimes think, oh, for God's sake, just, just eat, eat it. it. <laughs> 
you know, or enjoy it. But like just from the restaurant's point of view, the overuse of phones and the, you know, the overuse of tablets is becoming a bit of an issue when we're hiring staff and that their their um, ability and their way of communicating, you know, isn't the way it was years ago, let's say, and they're not able to set a table, they're not able, you know, they haven't the knowledge of fine dining or of, or, or of a fine dining experience or dining well. In other words, they don't know how to set the table, they don't know where to put the glasses, they don't know where the cutlery goes. And we just find ourselves, all of us restaurateurs will talk about this when we meet, the, the, the very basics we have to get back to. And I suppose that just goes back to the whole story of should we have home economics at primary school? I think we should. Yeah, And yeah. I think it should be, you know, it should be yeah, manners. I'm, I'm wondering as well, Claire, does that go back to families don't sit around a table. Right. I mean, that you know, I, I would remember that growing up it. and we laid the table. Yes, and you sat. Gorgeous. I mean, how many families do that today? Uh, well, you know, there's lots of reasons for that. The mum and dad are out working. They're absolutely doing their damnedest to, you know, earn two salaries to start paying a house, to pay all the bills, to get the kids to school. You know, it's, it's just the society we live in. But I think that they, that, that you know, the sitting down, setting a table, enjoying your food and the art conversation is just such a lovely thing to do. And even if it's only twice a week that you do it on a Saturday or Sunday or Friday night on a Sunday night, that it's something that we should all still be loving and doing. Yeah, because this particular restaurant, I, I, they're a chain, Frankie and Benny's. I have That's to say, right. I, I haven't heard of them before, but it's a, they're like a family kind of a place. It's yeah. it's it's sad to hear that children, I know the point you're making, that kids can be as bad, but it's sad to think that children would like their parents to Isn't spend less time. Yeah. I know. Now, I would say that that's a bit of a gimmick too, and fair play to them, you know, that they're going to do that if they are, but... Uh, just Irish restaurants couldn't do that. Yeah. We just couldn't. No. Yeah. How's the city starting to city's be very, very festive? Busy. Absolutely flying beautiful. Yes, sky here this morning. Yeah. Gorgeous, lovely um, reflections. The lights are on. We're ready to go and Christmas has very much begun. Yeah, great. Very busy weekend. Okay. Yeah. That is good to hear. Listen, have thank a good you, Christmas, Patricia. Claire, and thanks thank a million you. for joining us. Bye bye. Eighteen fifty three 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 one zero three. Texter says, I would love to see a ban on mobile phones in restaurants. I saw a dad one day with two lovely little boys. They were about seven and uh, eight. He spoke to them to ask them what food would they would they want. And then for the duration of the meal, he didn't speak to them once. He was sitting on his mobile phone. The children didn't have phones, by the way. They were chatting to each other. It upset me a lot to think that he couldn't spend time and chat to both of them. How sad. God, that's what a, what a really sad, sad picture that uh, actually paints. And Burr in the Cork, thank you for that, Burr in Cork, in Cork City says, Hi Trish, what annoys me is sometimes when I'm on Facebook, I will see a photograph of somebody's meal that they're just about to eat. Why do they do this? I'm not that interested. Can't they just eat it and enjoy it before it goes cold? It's ridiculous, says Burr in Cork City. I thought it was funny to hear Claire, as a restaurateur, say it annoys her as well to see people. Whatever about, you know, a nice meal, I thought, from a restaurant point of view, I thought it would be, you know, would people, do people zoom in on photographs to say, God, what's what's in that dinner? Is, uh, I, you know, I might, I might go, you know, is it a good ad for the restaurant? But she said, no, I mean, people taking photographs of cups of coffees. And I have seen that and I have seen people uh, do that, their first cup of coffee in the morning and, and it goes up. But then some people overshare, some people live their life through 
social media and I suppose we're never going to get away uh, from that but is it absolutely killing the art of conversation and when we go out for for a meal is it something we collectively we need to do ourselves as families we need to do it I mean you know please God lots of us will be able to sit around a Christmas table this year and celebrate you know Christmas dinner together I mean there is certainly a time where phones should be absolutely banned okay people might want to get a nice photograph of everybody around the Christmas table and they all oh, have to have my phone to take the photograph is usually the argument that's used once the photograph is, is taken maybe that's something all of us can consider introducing for this Christmas that complete for the duration of the Christmas dinner let everybody sit down talk to each other as we, as, we, as we did once upon a time and just forget the mobile phones for the couple of hours it's going to take to have uh, your Christmas lunch. 1850 Bernie's taking your calls. Uh, John Paul on a day off today. You can text her WhatsApp 0862 Okay and just some uh, texts in uh, reacting to that British chain, restaurant uh, chain who are trying to ban customers from using mobile phones and the whole idea behind it is to get families talking to each other when they go out for a meal. Lorraine says, Patricia, has anybody noticed the lack of basic table manners inside in a restaurant and not just from the children? You'll see it with the adults uh, as well. Also, I have seen parents go in for a coffee and they might have a baby or a toddler with them and they will never once interact with the child. They will spend all of their time on their mobile phone. It is a sad, sad scene. And hi, Patricia, says a texter. I was at a wedding lately. There were four other people at the table, obviously people that they did know and that's always lovely about a wedding because you can get to know all different people and chatting to people anyway four other people at the table spent the whole time taking photos of each other and snapchatting the photos to each other there was zero conversation oh my goodness 1850 333 103 I can see a lot of texts and calls coming in with a lot of people saying that this company in England Frankie and Benny's is the, the restaurant chain they've got the right idea trying to stop customers from using their mobile phones now we will return to that issue but I want to move on because Gas Networks Ireland has confirmed that cattle slurry is to be turned into enough gas to power 56,000 homes it's part of a multi-million euro project and Mitchellstown has been picked as the location. Joining me with details from Gas Network Ireland is Ian O'Flynn who's Head of Commercial with Gas Networks uh, Ireland. Good morning to you Ian. Good morning Patricia. Uh, and you're welcome to the programme. Now thanks, it's it's no, it's known as the Greys Project. Just outline how it will operate. Okay, so so effectively the, the announcement which came out last week around around this project and the funding of it, is it starts off, the, it's the process of starting off introducing agriculturally sourced renewable gas into the gas network. Uh, we're really, really excited about it. Um, uh, we're excited about it for two, two reasons. I mean, firstly, um, there's a significant economic impact to the Mitchellstown area and the catchment area, which I'll talk about in a moment. So we envisage that this, um, that this project will create over 200 local jobs. So that's one thing that to be excited about. And the second thing is the environmental impact. And as you mentioned, uh, from an environmental point of view, uh, this is carbon neutral, renewable gas. As you say, enough to power 56,000 houses. And Patricia, this is part of our ambition to have 20% of the gas on our network to be renewable by 2030. And we're going to start this, uh, we're going to start this journey off in Mitchellstown. Why was Mitchellstown chosen? So, so I think that the Mitchellstown was chosen because of the, the, the suitability of, uh, of the agricultural area around it, and quite frankly, the interest within the area. So, so 
The project is broken into, into, into three things or is focused on three things. So the first thing that the project is doing is creating a central injection point. And, and what that is, is it's a location on our network where renewable gas can be, can be introduced into the network. The second thing that it's doing is it's creating an opportunity for local farmers and entrepreneurs to play a role in, in energy production and producing renewable, uh, renewable gas through a process called anaerobic digestion. And then the third thing that's happening is we will then transform transport this gas from the uh, that, from these uh, the entrepreneurs ad plants to the network so there'll be uh, road transportation involved and then to your question so why was Mitchellstown selected for this um, there's a really interesting community group wonderful agriculture within that whole catchment area and I, can I just say Patricia the catchment area is, is North Cork it's Mallow Mitchellstown Tipperary Cashel Turles and all the way over to Limerick so it's quite a big catchment area and the uh, agriculture and the fo- agriculture and the food industry is so strong in this area it makes it the ideal location for us How many of these anaerobic digesters will you install? So our, our ambition by 2030 over the island of Ireland is about 300, uh, 350. In this phase of the project, we will think it will be somewhere between 15 and 20 AD plants in that, in that very broad catchment area that I mentioned. We know whenever there's a spreading of slurry, we get people complaining about smells. Are there smells? That's associated with these ads. I, I, in fact, a, a common a common misconception actually. So, so what the what the project actually is doing is it's capturing the slurries and animal wastes uh, at, at point of creation, if you like. So it's capturing them and the emissions and smells that are coming from that are contained. So, so that's that is then combined with grass and other feedstocks like sugar beet or uh, and and that com- that that com- that sort of in- those ingredients mixed together produce this wonderful renewable gas through anaerobic digestion and actually the gas that's produced actually has no smell which is why within Gas Networks Ireland we have to add a, a, de- a sort of an odorant to all of the gases so that, so that humans for, can yeah, actually smell exactly so yeah. the production the, the, the production is really is, is really clear and these, these AD plants are actually uh, agriculturally based anaerobic digestion plants are actually very attractive clean um, and, 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 and actually a source of w- a wonderful new energy source for us. And, you know, anything, we, I mean, this is all part of decarbonising uh, Ireland's energy, which we know is so important going forward. Absolutely. And, and, I, and, and this project tricks, uh, ticks three boxes, which is great. So it, it helps with the reduction of emissions from agriculture. Uh, it actually helps with the reduction of emissions from heat as, as this renewable gas is used to heat the homes, uh, heat homes, etc. And it also actually is going to play a role in reducing emissions from transport because this, this renewable gas can actually be used to power heavy goods vehicles and buses, which is actually also part of this project. We'll be building two stations to actually allow heavy goods vehicles and buses fill up from this new, uh, from this new renewable gas. And this, is this the first such project? So, it's, um, so actually the first renewable gas is actually going to enter into our network at, at the end of this month, actually. So we're very excited in Kildare, our first pilot project, where we're actually, create, uh, where, where, where we're actually capturing uh, renewable gas from an AD plant and actually bringing it through to our network. So that's actually going to be the first time renewable gas is put into the network. This is our first project of scale. This is the first step in terms of meeting our, our large ambition of having 20% of the gas on the network being renewable by 2030. So would you see yourself rolling it out to other parts of the country, replicating what you're going to do in Mitchellstown? Absolutely.
Absolutely. Yeah. So, so Mitchellstown will uh, Mitchellstown is is sort of the first uh, example. I think we'll follow it quite quickly with maybe two other locations like it. But our ambition will be to actually have eighteen Mitchellstown type solutions in place across across the island of Ireland. How has the news been received locally at this stage? So, I, so feedback so far has been very positive. There's a very active local community group called the Ballyhora Community Development Group, and uh, that's a, a community group made up of, of farmers, uh, representatives of the food business, such as Dairy Gold and other artisan food providers. And actually, they are actively involved in this project, actively involved in promoting uh, anaerobic digestion. And again, back to one of your earlier questions, one of the reasons that we have selected uh, Mitchellstown is because of the, the high levels of interest within the interest within the community. Okay, all right. Uh, all good for the environment and that's what it's all about. Uh, Ian, that's where we leave it. Thank you for that. And Patricia, can I just say to you, if anyone wants to find out more, they can go to our website, which is gasnetworks.ie or send us an email at innovation at gasnetworks.ie. Okay, thank you for that, Ian. Thank you, Patricia. Uh, bye-bye. That is uh, Ian O'Flynn, Head of Commercial with Gas Networks at Ireland. 1850-333-103. And I've been asked to give a mention on behalf of Santa Cross, that he's making a special pit stop at Ina Shannon House Hotel on Sunday next at four o'clock in the afternoon. He is expected to arrive on his magic red trike uh, in the afternoon where he will meet the boys and girls and will be listening to their very special Christmas wishes and then he will leave in a Shannon at about 6pm because he needs to head back to the North Pole. Now a ticket to see Santa Claus is free uh, for in a Shannon next Sunday instead. Santa's helpers will be collecting donations which will go directly to the Lavana Centre uh, Enable Ireland uh, provide vital therapy and support services to over 600 children and young people with disabilities at the Lavana Centre. Uh, so all of the donations on the day going to Enable Ireland and to the Lavana Centre. So if you want to pop along there next Sunday, as I say, admission is free. You can just give a donation to them, the Inner Shannon Hotel, and it is a four o'clock start. We're doing a bit here at C103, constantly encouraging you, please, to shop local this year. And remember all of the small independent businesses in particular and the shops that will be around all year round. They'll be there in the cold days of January when you'll need to buy something. That's those, those little shops are the ones that are so important. And one way, of course, to help you to shop at local Cork County Council to their bit with the car parks around the county towns and just they've given us a, a list of all of the county towns and the car parks lots of parking spaces if you go to any of the county towns in Mallow for example there's car parks at Muddy Hill Bowling Green Carmichael Lane Park Road Bridge Street Spa Road and St James's Avenue there's one hour free parking on street in Mallow three hours free parking in the council car parks and there's free parking from 1pm on Fridays and all days Saturdays and obviously it's all subject uh, to the usual restrictions in McCroom. The car parks are at Fair Green, at Massey Town, that's Oreathas, at the playground and also at Codrum. They have two hours free parking on street subject there to a two hour time limit in Yall free parking in the all the car parks and on street there Yall is subject to a two hour limit in Formoy there is free parking in the council owned car parks there's no on street parking charges on Saturdays in Formoy normal one and two hour limits if you are in Bandon free parking on and off street 
the usual three hour uh, car park and two hour on street time restrictions can sale. They've got free on and off street parking, normal two hour restrictions. Cove, free parking on and off with the normal time limits and Douglas, no parking uh, charges on Saturdays. No parking charges between 10 and 12 weekdays with the usual time restrictions. So certainly the county towns doing their bit with lots of parking and lots of free parking. Please check them out uh, this Christmas. 1850 Bernie taking your calls uh, today or if you would like to text or WhatsApp as you can to 0862 103 103. This is Court Today. Court Today with Patricia Messenger on C103. Court's greatest hits C103 
Very best to Christmas music here on C103. That is Bon Jovi. And uh, please come home for a Christmas and stay on the Christmas theme because a lovely WhatsApp ends. Good morning, Patricia and Bernie, who's filling in for John Paul today. Simply had to share this with you. Yesterday evening, Crookstown Village turned on the Christmas lights for the first time ever. An absolutely huge crowd gathered in the village to see the colourful street lights and the magnificent Christmas tree be switched on. Children posted their letters into a magical red post box during the carol singing. Santa Claus was escorted into the village on a tractor and brought much delight to the many, many children he met. Massive congratulations must go to Pat and Deirdre Sheehan and all who were involved. Too many to mention for organising such a wonderful, wonderful evening which was enjoyed by by young and old. Thank you, Patricia. And thank you. I don't know, there's no name on that. Thank you whoever took the time uh, to send that in to us. And well done to Crookstown Village. Isn't that a lovely Lovely, lovely thing uh, to do. And this goes back again to what I'm talking about, shopping local and trying to switch some of your purchases this year to please try and spend it uh, locally. Now, Heidi does make the point why I agree with you, Patricia, on the shopping local where possible. But there is uh, a but that local shops don't always give you the incentives that you need to come into the stores and some of them can be more expensive and she cites an example of uh, something locally at 15 euro and you could get it half price elsewhere. That's what stops a lot, a lot of people from shopping locally. Yeah, I listen, I accept when people are on limited budgets and if you've got a lot to buy at Christmas and you're trying to get a better bang for your buck and you're trying to make your money stretch, I you know absolutely accept that people have to go where they can find the cheapest item you know if they're looking for an item if they can get it cheaper somewhere I can understand why people uh, do that so I'm not expecting people to do all of their shopping locally but I'm just saying if you can if we can all switch some of our purchases this year and make sure that the money stays locally we all benefit at the same time but thank you uh, for your text and actually on Christmas lights being switched off lovely photographs in a lot of the papers uh, today of the former Ireland and Manchester City star Roy Keane who we spoke about on the programme on Friday when we had a wonderful Anne Hurley from Charleville uh, join us to talk about the switching on of the Marymount Hospice lights. It was Roy Keane switched the lights on for the light up a life for this year and it seems there was some lovely tributes paid to the late footballer Liam uh, Miller. More than 500 people turned out at the Marymount Hospice uh, yesterday and of course Marymount Hospice every year depend on three million euro in public donations and sponsorship and they need three million at Marymount just to maintain their services which is uh, in in many ways annoys me to think that any hospice and hospices all over the country have got to do the same thing. This isn't something unique to us here in Cork with Marymount but there's just something wrong that when they, the, the type of help and support that they give, particularly the end of life help and support that they give, to think that they are forced to go out and fundraise. I mean, that to me is something that absolutely the Department of Health and the HSE, every single cent that a hospice needs, I think uh, a hospice should get. So a fundraiser like yesterday, fantastic to think that so many people turned up. And, and, and I know other people would while you weren't maybe weren't there, you might have got one of the light up of lives, you might have bought one of the lights, had to go on the trees, or you might have supported the hospice in some other way. But yesterday's event is a vital element 
for supporting the palliative care packages that they give more than 3,000 people and their families benefit from the work of Marymount Hospice every year. So it was great to see Roy Keane turn up in uh, style. And of course, Roy Keane helped the major charity fundraiser that we had earlier in the year back in September that we spoke about for Lee Miller, for his wife and his family. But of course, part of the funding from that, the big game in Porky Creeve, 1.5 million uh, was raised that day that was a terrific sum of uh, money and Lee Miller was of course treated at Marymount when he died in February of this year after his battle with uh, cancer so part of the proceeds from that big fundraiser on that day in Porky Creef has also gone to uh, Marymount Hospice which was terrific so well done to uh, Roy Keane because he doesn't he doesn't come out to many of those uh, events he's not somebody that craves publicity and craves media attention. I mean, he does fantastic work for the guide dogs, but it was great to see him come out and support the switching on of the lights at uh, Marymount yesterday. And the event also allows people to share memories of uh, loved ones as the Christmas tree lights are are switched on. Uh, So well done and well done to everybody involved. A lot of work went into organising that day uh, yesterday. And can we wish everybody at Marymount Hospice a very happy and a peaceful Christmas. And talking about loss at Christmas, there's a bereavement information meeting for those coping with the death of a loved one from cancer at the Cork Ark Cancer Support House in Bantry. And that is happening on Friday night at half past ten in the morning. Now, booking is essential. All of the services at uh, the Cork Ark, the West Cork House, uh, as indeed the one in the city, they are all free of charge. And that's got a lot to do with fundraising as well. But if you would like to go along to the special bereavement information morning happening this Friday morning in Bantry, 27 538 As I say, booking there. Uh, is essential. Now what else is coming into us by way of uh, WhatsApp? So we were talking about mobile phone use and it's, it's been kicked off by this chain of restaurants in England who have decided, now they're trying, I have to say, I did a bit of research on this at the weekend, they're, they're trying, they're not doing an out and out ban, but they're trying to encourage families that come into this family type restaurant to would you leave your mobile phones you know leave them on the table or switch them off or put them in a box just put them away just come in have your meal and as a family all sit down together and enjoy the meal and enjoy the time together particularly if you've got smallies because they're not small for very long that is uh, for sure well somebody by text says Patricia on the subject of mobile phones mobile phones are never allowed at our table for meal times, it's just been the norm in our house uh, for years. So everybody accepts no mobile phones when you're in my house having having your food. Recently, we were at a function and my, and my son was with us. My son is now twenty years of age, and towards the end of the meal, an elderly man came over to me and complimented me on my son at the table. I didn't know what he was on about at first, and he said he had noticed he'd been watching us while we were having our meal, and he said that during the entire meal. This elderly man noticed that our son, 20-year-old son, never looked at his phone once. It's just a habit for my son at this stage. So when we go out for a meal, he wouldn't even think about picking up up his mobile phone. But what you know what I find really interesting from your text is the fact that somebody else noticed. It has become so much the norm for so many people when we're out. We just expect, when we're sitting in a restaurant, we expect to look around and see people on their mobile phone. It has just become the norm. I mean, will we, will it, will it, 
is, is, it a, is it just a habit that we're in that we will eventually get out of? I, I, I don't know. But I thought when Claire Nash was talking about, you know, it's killing the art of conversation. But she's even saying from a restaurant point of view, training staff, people because people are so used to just sitting, eating their food while on their mobile phone, they're not even looking around them to see what way a table was actually laid. I thought it was interesting to hear as the young people don't know how to lay uh, a table anymore. And I do think in our home situation, we are so getting away from sitting down as a family and everybody talking and sharing the news and finding out how our day is going. And yes, I do accept we're all leading busy lives and people are working and not everybody's home at the same time to have a meal. I do accept that. But could, couldn't we do it at the weekends? Couldn't we insist that on the weekend, that on a Saturday and a Sunday when everybody's at home, couldn't we insist that we all sit down together and for, for those days at least sit down and have a, a family meal if you're, if you, you know, if you're not all in to share food during the week you know that is understandable but you know you are around there will be days of the weekend when the whole family uh, will be there it's just we have to get back into the habit I think of doing that as well but I think I think that's incredible to think that somebody actually copped that here was a young man of 20 who didn't look at a mobile phone once because he was out having a meal with his family and the norm for that family is we talk to each other. We don't communicate through mobile phones. Hi, Patricia. This is from Dennis from Fremont on a totally different uh, issue. This morning, says Dennis, there are two cars sitting on a ditch. It's at the Bog Cross near Dramina. I live nearby and I'm aware that there are near misses at these crossroads almost every single day of the week. Many accidents have already occurred here. Last week, for example, the road was blocked and the fire brigade trucks were on site. Road blocked. Why? Due to another accident. This is a staggered crossroads but something badly needs to be done right away. As cars from Drumcolliher continue to drive on to the main Newmarket Road. That seems to be the problem. They're not stopping at the crossroads. It is a miracle that nobody's been killed at, killed at this crossroads this year. Somebody will die here sooner rather than later if it's not sorted out. If anybody takes a look around this area, you'll find hundreds of bits of cars from previous crashes. So many crashes have happened at this site. And when roads get frosty, I dread to think what will happen. Kind regards, and that's Dennis from Fremont. I wonder, have you brought that to the attention of your local councillor? Have you a local councillor who can be raising that issue at a council meeting? Anybody else want to back up Dennis and what's, and I'm not doubting for a moment, Dennis, what you're saying. Bog Cross near Dramina, a very, very dangerous crossroads. 1850 and hi Patricia says a texture. Would you please give a mention to Castle Magner Senior Citizens Club. They're holding a cookery demonstration with renowned chef Hazel Burke of uh, a solace house that's happening this Wednesday night, 5th of December in Castle Magna Community Centre at 8 o'clock. Tickets, 10 euro will be available at the door. Mulled wine and a mince pie reception. We really are into that season and uh, a great night has been promised. So that's this Wednesday night. If you'd like to go to that cookery demonstration, have your mulled wine and mince pie at the same uh, time, then that's the place to go. Castle Magna Community Centre. C103 Jobs. 
Now, a business manager is required for Skibbereen Sports and Fitness Centre, while a childminder is wanted two to three days per week. It's to look after two children in the minder's own home, and that's in the Mwilin Newmarket area. And a HGV truck driver is wanted for delivering fuel to customers in and around the Bandon area. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Cork Today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now two Irish greyhound tracks are set to hold races early in the morning just after 8am as uh, most people are heading to work or dropping the children off to school. Gambling addiction groups have described it as a shocking development and joining me with the reaction of Problem Gambling Ireland is their chief uh, executive uh, Barry Grant. Good morning to you Barry. Morning Patricia. Um, and you're welcome. Early morning race meetings are to start in Kilkenny this month and Waterford in the new year. Have you heard why Greyhound Racing is to be held so early in the morning? Um, well, my understanding is that the reason is to be able to broadcast the races to other jurisdictions like the UK, Australia, New Zealand and others uh, where there will be gambling availability in betting offices at that time of the morning. Because surely they're not going to get numbers uh, attending the the races. I mean, it, it, this isn't going to be entertaining the local Greyhound fans. I wouldn't think so. I, I sincerely doubt it. I don't think they're expecting too many people to be in the stadium at all. It's really about the transmission rights to other countries for people to gamble on there and for gambling here. And this is where our concern comes in, that people who are desperate and who might have a gambling problem or see gambling as a way to solve their financial problems might be waking up in the morning and think, God, I have to find a way to pay the rent or pay the mortgage or pay whatever bill. And I got lucky on the greyhound before, so I'll put my last few quid on this. And it feeds into this kind of endless proliferation of gambling opportunities at a time of the day when, you know, people are having their breakfast normally or they're on the, the commute to work or the kids are on their school run and yeah it feeds into that normalisation ongoing normalisation of gambling in society today How big a problem Barry is is online gambling in this country? Uh, online gambling we don't really know yet unfortunately I mean we, we do know we're the biggest online gamblers in the world on a per capita basis we don't know what percentage of those people who gamble online have a gambling problem. But if you compare online gambling to traditional gambling, it's seen to be three times more addictive. So it's worrying. that we Three won't. times more addictive? Yeah, that's what the research would say from international studies. So being the biggest online gamblers on the planet on a, on a per head of population basis is worrying. And because of time zones, it's, it's possible to gamble all night long, isn't it? If, if you really wanted to? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it doesn't have to be about time zones either. I mean, the absurd thing about this is that people can and do gamble on virtual greyhound races and virtual horse races 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, every two minutes, I think. You can gamble on those, and many of the people who would contact our service or who I would see for counselling, you know, in moments of desperation will 
gamble on those virtual races. Of course, they're again because of the different time zones. You could be gambling on Malaysian basketball at three o'clock in the morning or whatever. But oh. there's always, always something to gamble on. You know, and what would somebody know about Malaysian basketball? But when you're addicted to gambling, it's 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 not that you even know anything about the sport you're gambling on. No, it's just the next thing coming up live on the screen. Um, I mean, tennis is a good example. There's always a tennis match on somewhere in the world, 24 hours a day. So for the people who are desperate and want to to, to bet on something. Um, to when you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's always something on the screen. Anybody who's ever been on an online gambling website, there's this kind of in-play section of it where whatever is going on live at the moment, you can bet on it. So somewhere in the world, there's some sporting event going on constantly. And if on the odd chance that there isn't, you can always go to the virtuals or on all the online sports betting sites also have a casino site as well. And a lot of people turn to those in desperation and put whatever they have on the spin of a roulette wheel. Uh, and our laws around gambling, uh, Barry, are, are pretty uh, dated. I mean, I was looking at these over the weekend in advance of you coming on uh, today. I mean, one was introduced in 1931 and then the other in 1956. Were we not promised um, a gambling control bill? I mean, I remember talking about that back in 2012, 2013. Yeah, 2013, the heads of that bill were published. Uh, we're constantly lobbying the government to try and get some action on that. There's been no movement on the original Fianna Gael one. Um, Fianna Fáil earlier this year um, basically put forward their own version of that bill. Uh, that's in second stage or third stage uh, going through the Oireachtas at the moment. But it's taking way too long. I mean, we are, you know, with the, the highest gambling losses per head of population in Europe, the thir- third highest in the world. Like I said, we have the highest rates of online gambling in the world, and we know how addictive that is. But our legislation and regulation, which we have none, is way, way, way behind the curve. Like, we should be world leaders in 
gambling legislation and regulation, considering the prevalence of gambling that we have here. So it is very worrying that it's taken so long to get some sort of legislation. And the other piece of legislation that's important here when you look at racetracks is from 1929, and that regulates the tote. And we have an absurd situation in Ireland where children of any age can legally bet at the tote because there's no age limit in the legislation. And if you talk to a lot of people who have gambling problems and ask them about when they place their first bet, they'll remember back to going some, to some racetrack when they were seven or eight or nine or ten and winning a few quid back then. And that becomes a very important memory uh, for somebody who develops a gambling problem. So there's a whole raft of changes that need to come in there and we would urge the government to, to work on those as quickly as possible. Now, it's interesting that you mentioned young people because somebody has just said, um, ask your guest. Our guest, by the way, is, is Barry Grant, who is the chief executive of uh, Gambling Ireland. Our problem, Gambling Ireland. Ask your guest, Barry, does he worry about young people gambling? Well, Cheltenham is on, for example. I can never get over the amount of young people on their lunch break from school in their school uniforms who are hanging around outside and inside betting shops. Yeah, that is worrying. Like, uh, uh Professor Colin O'Gara from St. John of God's in Dublin did a research piece recently just looking at young people and online betting. They found that they looked at 39 websites that are available to Irish customers or licensed uh, to operate in Ireland. Uh, 38 of the 39 had no age restrictions. So basically you just had to tick a box and say you're 18 to open up an account. Uh, we've done research with 15 and 16-year-olds, uh, roughly half of those had already started gambling. So, I mean, that's worrying. And, I mean, if you look at research from the UK, which would have a very similar culture to ours, young people, I think it was between the age of 11 and 15, were more likely to have gambled than they were to have smoked their first cigarette or tried alcohol or tried drugs. So, I mean, it's a worrying trend there where, you know, 90-odd percent of the population carries a smartphone around in their pocket a smartphone can't dispense cigarettes or alcohol or drugs, but it does have the ability to instantaneously dispense potentially addictive gambling products, and all of our kids have them. So we need to start thinking about that. That's worrying. Um, of all the um, addictions, Barry, gambling is the silent, in, invisible one, but, but yet everybody in the family can get affected by it. Yeah, it is considered to be the, the invisible addiction. You know, there's no smell, there's no kind of indicators that you would have, say, with drugs or alcohol, where somebody would be hungover or smelling of alcohol or clearly under the influence. And people with gambling problems become very adept at hiding what's going on for as long as they possibly can. Of course, that makes the problem worse because it's spiraling out of control and nobody knows about it until it's crisis situation. And the research would show that for every person with a gambling problem, another 8 to 10 uh, people are affected. So if it's family, friends, employers, co-workers, teammates, whoever it is. So it's not something that just affects an individual on their own. It has a knock-on effect on the people around them. Somebody says to tell you you're wrong about the toast. The toast doesn't accept bets from anyone under the age of 18. Well, the law hasn't changed since 1929. Okay. And uh, for for people then who find themselves in this grip of addiction, uh, Barry, what treatment is available 
for somebody in this country? Uh, well, in Cork, you'd have uh, Tabor Lodge, you'd have Gamblers Anonymous meetings uh, all around the county and all around the country. In fact, you'd have Gammonon meetings uh, for family members and friends. Uh, you would have other treatment centres around the, uh, the residential treatment centres around the country and individual counsellors and addiction counsellors who would provide treatment. So, I mean, there are a variety of treatment options out there uh, for people. We would have a, a list of all available treatment providers on our website, problemgambling.ie, for, that would kind of give all the information for the different providers around the country. So it's important for people to remember that there is help out there and it is possible to stop. Like even if things seem really desperate and if you feel like the only way to get yourself out of difficulty is to try and gamble your way out of it, I can guarantee you that's only going to make the situation worse. Um, and it's important to remember, you know, you can look at stories of people like Tony O'Reilly, Yoshi McConnell, Lionel McNamee and others who've gotten into very, very desperate situations through their gambling, but have come out the other side. So there is hope and there is a way out uh, if you seek help. But you need to seek the help. That's the, uh, that's the problem, isn't it? With, with any addiction, it's, it's getting the addicts to admit that they have a problem. Absolutely. And quite often that can be more difficult with gambling uh, and people tend to focus on the money aspect of it. You know, and sometimes people can afford to lose whatever they're losing or you know feel that they can afford to lose it or that they're right that it's their right to lose that because they earned it but there's more to it than just money I and mean, it has a huge impact on your mental health uh, in terms of depression stress and anxiety it has a huge impact on relationships as well so it's important to try and get that message across that there is help out there and this you know, to seek help as early as possible. Try and not wait until it's a crisis situation. Okay, all right. Um, continue. Good luck with the work that you do at uh, Problem, Problem Gambling Ireland, uh, Barry. And thanks a million for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks, Patricia. Good morning to you, uh, Barry Grant. Uh, Margaret in Donnerwell says the Minister for Agriculture, Michael Creed, will give 16.8 million euro to Greyhound Racing for Christmas, which he does every year. They don't have to fundraise at all. That much would give Marymount, that much would keep Marymount Hospice going for five years when you spoke earlier about how much fundraising they have to do. A lot of GAA clubs, says Margaret, hold their fundraisers at the Greyhound track where the young people are exposed to gambling and drinking. No young person should be allowed anywhere near a Greyhound track, anywhere where there is gambling going on, says Margaret. And Eileen in Bear Island is taking me to task. I mentioned earlier on about Roy Keane switching on the lights for Marymount Hospice and well done to Roy Keane and I inadvertently said that Roy Keane had played for Manchester City and of course he hadn't. He played for Manchester United. Eileen in Bear Island is a huge Man U fan and uh, any Man U Man United fan would be would be totally insulted that I would mix up Manchester United with Manchester City. So my apologies, Eileen Roy Keane, of course, played for Manchester United. 1850 333103, lines open. 
Uh, can I wish the best of luck to everybody involved with the Mallow Field Club? They are launching, would you believe, journal number 36. And I know fans of any of those sort of historical journals that come out, uh, there's various places around the county that will have an annual journal or maybe one comes out every two years or maybe they might be out a couple of years. And for some people to collect every single one of them uh, becomes something that's passed on through families even. They'll have the entire collection. So I don't know how many people have every single Mallow Field journal uh, since number one. Because if you have, number 36 is going to be launched in the Hibernian Hotel in Mallow on this Thursday at uh, 8 o'clock and the launch is being done by Frank Nine. Of course, Frank is the state solicitor who lives in Mallow. But congratulations to everybody involved with the Mallow Field Journal and good luck with their launch on Thursday night. Now, the transition year students at St. Coleman's College in Formoy have recorded a charity single for their friend and classmate who was recently diagnosed with cancer and is undergoing treatment at Crumlin Children's Hospital. Their music teacher, Sarah Barry, uh, joins me. Good morning to you, Sarah. Good morning, Patricia. How are you? I'm very well. Now, you've come up with the very apt song, Lean On Me by Bill Withers. Take me back. Who came up with the idea of recording the the single? Well, the boys in Transition Year came to me and asked me what we could do to help support their friend. And I have done some recording in the past and I kind of had, it was a small idea at the start, but it's obviously grown a lot bigger. Um, We decided that we were going to record a charity single. And I said from day one, I was like, let's get to Christmas number one. And they, <laughs> they kind of laughed at me. But um, it's looking like we could get it. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it really is. So it was the boys themselves had the notion of let's do something, let's... Yeah, they, they came to me originally. Um, Are they good singers? They're, well, I have a class of 70. Okay. So out of 70, 28 of those I had for junior circuit music last year. Um, so we have some non-singers, but they're all giving it 100%. So they sound amazing on the track. Now talk they're me through really the good. recording process and, and, and where that all and how that all came about. Yes, yeah, so I have done a little bit of recording in the past with a producer called Mark Cahill. Um, he's based up in County Meath and he's absolutely incredible. Um, he's worked with people like Ryan Sheridan and um, other, other big names in the music industry. And he, I rang him straight away when I had this idea and I was like, can we get this done in two weeks' time? <laughs> and he said, absolutely. So we kind of ran with it and he was down... Last Wednesday to the school, he brought down a recording, a mobile recording unit, and everything was done in the school in the assembly hall. We did the recording, we did the video, we did loads, like, we took loads of great pictures, so it was all done in the school. But professionally recorded, and that's, it's important that you had it professionally recorded. Yes, absolutely. If it's going out to the nation and maybe even the world, it needed to be done, you know, by someone top class. So Mark was my first you know, he, he was the first guy that came into my head first. All right, I know I have a tiny, this is a very tiny clip, it's only nine yeah. seconds that um, Fiona Corcoran, our senior news reporter, was down for the recording. Just, just take a listen to this. If we are wise, we know that always tomorrow. Yeah, they can sing. Those boys can, can sing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the song, um, the song is very apt as well, Sarah. It is like, you know, I suppose, the driving force behind this, behind all of this is that one of our boys in TY, one of their friends, 
is currently, you know, battling cancer in Crumlin Children's Hospital. So, you know, it's a really, um, the boys are so passionate about this and it's a message of strength and support and just that they're all behind him and they're all willing him to get better and, you know, to show uh, support for him, basically. And that they can lean, uh, he, he can lean on them whenever he needs it. Absolutely. Well, and in turn, you know, the words, those songs, like at some point we, we're all going to need someone to lean on. So, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's just really apt for not just this campaign, like across the board, like it's just a really strong message to send out that, you know, there's always times everybody needs to lean on someone. So um, we just want to, you know, it, it's a really positive campaign to raise awareness and obviously funds for our four charities. Um, so we just want to be as possible positive as possible. Well done. And you're going to officially launch, it's Wednesday, isn't it? Is that the Wednesday. Plan? Yes, so we're actually, we're sending it out to all the radios tomorrow. Okay. So that people can have a listen to it and, and just, you know, get it get it out there um, before we officially launch the download. Um, so Wednesday morning in school we're having, we're like planning a really big event and it's going to be loads of fun. Um, and yeah, we'll officially launch the download at 11am. And then people need to 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 buy the download in order to get it to be the Christmas number one. And if Absolutely. my memory serves me right, it you don't have to have that many purchases to get to number one. Yeah, I've kind of been looking into it. Like obviously, with the way music has gone, people are using a lot of streaming websites. And, yeah, you know, and like listening to music on YouTube or different outlets that you're not actually paying to listen to music. But it's really, really important that people pay. So it's going to be 99 cents on iTunes and all the, the major websites and the download um, apps. And then we have a physical hard copy of, a, of the CD. It's going to be available locally. So we'll be, you know, on the ground here selling hard copies from Thursday on. Um, but it's so, so important, you know, like obviously our aim is to, we'd love to be Christmas number one, but that just translates into lots of money being raised for this yeah, campaign. Yeah. Um, and I think, if, like this isn't official, but it's around kind of 3,000 downloads. Yeah, it at, isn't. I remember, yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember yeah. looking, at, looking at it before, but there's something very special about getting the Christmas number one because it, it sort of it stays in history that we know, were number one at Christmas. It would be incredible. But obviously, you know, we keep the momentum going with it and it's incredible. Like we've got about five or six school teachers, bear in mind, working behind the scenes. Um, and it's just, I can't tell you the amount of support that we're getting, the amount of messages we've had. We have five people in control of like just answering back messages that we're getting constantly all day, every day since about last Wednesday. And it's it's actually quite overwhelming to just, see the support but you know obviously when there's such good charities involved and such worthy charities involved it's I suppose it's a no-brainer really people just want to do anything they can to support especially at this time of year Yeah remind us of the charities we mentioned Crumlin Yeah so Crumlin Children's Hospital and that's under the branch of CRMS and that's the fundraising body for Crumlin Children's Hospital we have Ronald MacDonald House, which are an amazing facility. I'm sure people have all heard about them, but I was up there last Tuesday and they are just incredible. And they actually gave me like a statistic, which I just couldn't believe. 48% of the people who stay in Ronald MacDonald House are actually from Cork. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's so close to home and, you know, there's so many people affected by it just in Cork alone. Um, we also have Bumbleins, which are an amazing charity. Um, they 
transfer children up and down to the treatment and they make it as you know easy as possible for parents and for the children and you know as as fun as it can be like obviously it's a really tough time in a child's life or in a parent's life but you know they have lovely things in the in the, their transport in their ambulance or in their um the van that they have to make it as you know they try and make the involved. journey. Yeah, they try and make yeah. that journey because it can be yeah. a difficult journey. Absolutely, and they also yeah. then do that wonderful journey, uh, that very sad journey when when uh, somebody is growing their angel wings and they bring them home. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and I've I've spoken to so many families who, who say the difference, the difference mm. it made. So they're an incredible charity. Well done. Yeah. So they're... they're, they're are, yeah. Yeah, sorry, our final one then it's it's not an official charity, it's families affected by cancer, so that's our way of donating to families, um, especially our boy that's sick at the moment. Um, that's our, you know, tagline for donating yeah. to those families. Yeah, because so. the cost involved when you, it, I mean, it's tough enough when you have a child mm. sick with something like cancer. Absolutely, but yeah. we, you forget about the cost that's involved. I mean, even just relocating to Dublin, people having to give up work, you know, the bills still have to be paid at home. I mean, people just forget and and the families have enough to be focused on in getting their loved one better without having to worry about the financial side. So you have it all covered, Sarah. You have it all all covered. (laughs) Uh, Well done. And people are saying, can we buy the CD locally? You're going to put it out. You said that it will go out to the CD locally. It will go out locally. And if people just keep in touch with our social media campaign, so everything is um, under the tagline of Coleman's, C-O-L-M-A-N-S, stand S-P-A-N-D together. So it's, there's two S's in the middle of that. Okay. We have a Facebook page, a really strong Facebook page, Instagram and Twitter. Okay, Coleman's stand uh, together and the download starts from 11 o'clock on Wednesday morning. That's when it goes goes live. That's where it's going to be important that we support that one because that's where, Absolutely. that's what make the difference between the Christmas and number one. Um, I have a funny feeling you're going to do it, Sarah. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I really believe that the boys will, will be able to, to get us to Christmas number one. Just another quick thing. We also have an iFundraise page. Okay. And that's linked in our social media as well. If anybody wants to donate a little bit more than the 99 cents or the 5 euro, um, we have an iFundraise page that's live and you can get the link on our social media. Okay, and huge excitement around the school, I imagine. It. Yeah, so yeah. when all of this was being recorded last week, the, the boys were actually in the middle of Christmas exams. <laughs> so it, it was a little bit, you know, it just makes it kind of, I suppose it brings back down, like we're all teachers, people involved in this. We all, like I've just left my um, class to come down and give the interview. Um, so we're trying to keep it as, you know, as normal as possible for the students, but also create, like, you know, a bit of excitement around it and um, just show them what they can actually do by, you know, just doing something so positive and creating awareness for this, all the worthy um, charities. So, yeah. This is something that will stand with them for the rest of their lives. They're, they're, they'll never forget this transition year experience, that's for sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, they're... they're I don't think they can really comprehend how big it is, yeah. how big it's gotten over the weekend. But we're hoping to, to show them that on Wednesday morning by just having a, a fantastic morning um, and, yeah, just showing them how amazing what they're doing is. OK. And their young friend, is he doing OK? He is, yeah. Is he's he? responding well to the treatment. Good. So Good. we're just sending out all positive vibes to him and, 
we're all behind him. Well done. Well done. And we look forward to uh, playing the track when we have it here in uh, studio. In we'll the meantime, uh, best of luck to everybody at St. Uh, Coleman's and uh, the hashtag is Coleman's Stand Together. Uh, good yes. luck with it, Sarah, and thanks for joining us. Thanks very much, Patricia. Good morning to you. Bye-bye. Sarah Barry there, who is the music teacher at St. Coleman's College in uh, Fromoy. Lean on me. Wonderful, wonderful song. We certainly will play it uh, for them. But let's see, with a big push, we will get it to be the Christmas number one. If you have a question for Annalise Drussell, our nutritional therapist, get it into us, please. First Monday of the month, uh, we hand the slot over to you, the listeners, and you can decide what you would like Annalise to talk about. So if you have a question for Annalise, get it in 1850-333-103. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And news is breaking that on board Planola have granted planning permission for the plastics factory in Skibbereen. Now that is going to be received uh, very, very badly with local people in the Skibbereen area. So we're going to look at that in more detail in the next hour. Uh, earlier I mentioned it was Dennis and Milford uh, contacted us wanting us to raise the issue of what's known as the Bog Cross near Dramina. I'm wondering could anything be done about it because it seems there was another accident too. I think he said there was two vehicles up on the ditch this morning and he believes that this cross is an accident waiting to happen and Dennis is not on his own with these views because Mary who lives near Bog Cross says that's a very dangerous junction. The signposts she reckons are just not adequate at all. People not familiar with the area do not realise that you cannot drive straight from that road. You're leading into a very busy road and that's the problem and that's why um, it looks like accidents are happening. And Morris is in Milford. He goes to Newmarket every morning and he has to travel through Bog Cross. He also agrees the council needs to do something they need to put up a very large stop sign he says yes there was a crash there today there was another one last week people cannot see that you need to stop there and that is the problem and when I called out the original text from Dennis in uh, Fremont, I had suggested to him that he contact a local councillor and get a local councillor to raise the issue if it hasn't already been raised at a Cork County Council meeting. Well, Dennis has been back on to me to say, Patricia, thank you for mentioning uh, Bog Cross near Jemina and the dilemma we are faced with. Just spoke to a very kind and hard working councillor, Ian Doyle great man from uh, Charleville who is going to help me. I sincerely hope something is done and I hope something is done soon. I know there is a stop sign there and the main road ahead is very obvious but something still needs to be done to prevent a tragedy. I will follow this up and make sure something is done. Happy Christmas to you all uh, says uh, Dennis in Fremont and many happy returns to you Dennis as well and well done. I mean when local people when you spot something that is I mean certainly the way you've described it this morning it is an accident waiting to happen and nobody wants that on their conscience that God forbid somebody gets killed at the junction and people thinking oh we always knew that that was dangerous so do your bit that's good civic duty in highlighting it let the council know point out what's wrong point out the number of accidents that have happened there and let's see if something can can be done about it uh, Dennis keep in contact with us and let us know how you get on with um, that 1850 we're looking for your questions for Annalise Drussell our nutritional therapist she's going to join us uh, later on in this hour also in this hour stay tuned if you are a Rod Stewart fan we'll give you details of how you can win tickets to his gig in Port for next year. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. 
supporting businesses, supporting communities, serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Band & Co-op, they're hosting a winter dairy seminar. That's happening at 8 o'clock tonight in the Munster Arms Hotel in Bandon. All are welcome. Dramahan's Parents Association, they're presenting their bi-annual internet safety talk by Dr Maureen Griffin. Maureen will address the issues of the use of the internet through smartphones, gaming consoles, YouTube and social media. The event is free and open to all. And St. Joseph's Foundation are celebrating their Golden Jubilee this year and to celebrate, they're holding a monster raffle which will be held on the 17th of December in aid of respite services. Great prizes, including a holiday plus spending money. Tickets are on sale from St. Joseph's Foundation and they'll also be available at their indoor market which is on this coming Friday. And a public forum, forum on climate change will be held tonight half past seven in the Middleton Park Hotel. UCC Climate Change Researchers will give a presentation followed by public question time. Local politicians will also be in attendance. And Chef Frank Moynihan will give a cookery demonstration Tastes of Christmas. It's Native Cope Foundation. It's happening tomorrow, Tuesday in the Beda Hall in Enniskeen with an 8pm start. Tickets 10 euro with a cheese and wine reception. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 103. Now the news has broken this morning that on board Planola has granted permission for a plastics factory to go ahead in Skibbereen. An appeal had been lodged against Cork County Council's decision to grant permission to the plant at Pound Lick uh, in Skibbereen Town by concerned locals. Local action group Save our Skibbereen uh, was set up and joining me from Sk- Save Our Skibbereen Group is Brendan McCarthy who is Principal of the Union Hall National School. Good morning to you Brendan. Good morning Patricia. Um, I take it very, very disappointing news for the locals. It is very disappointing, yeah. Um, you know, we were kind of in no man's land for the last Our appeal went in on the 23rd of January, nearly 12 months ago and We've been waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting on the decision. Um, so it was very hard to know what the decision was going to be, but um, they told me on the phone this morning that, unfortunately for us at this stage, it's um, planning has been granted with revised conditions. Now, do we have any idea what the revised conditions are? No. Um, we, the consultant, carried out or put in the appeal on our behalf of a lot of neighbours in the vicinity of the factory um, who were original objectors at the county council phase and so it's that consultant will get the letter um, and as soon as he gets it he'll forward it on to me so we we don't know exactly what's in it and the actual report then from Abrupt and themselves will be available tomorrow or Wednesday so we need to see that and assess what's in it and what is their reasoning and all that so all we know at this stage is that they have granted it with revised conditions, but we don't know what is they the, are. Is there anything in the revised conditions that you think might make you and the rest of the group feel, yeah, this plastics factory could be okay. Do you think there's I, anything I that they could do? This, yeah. No, I, I, no, in a word, no. Um, and like I've been thinking there just all morning, um, we're a lot further down the road in terms of preparedness and stuff and information and informing ourselves. And one of our main objectives was to inform the wider community. And we've definitely succeeded in that. There's great awareness out there and there's huge support for our campaign locally, regionally, nationally internationally like we put in that appeal nearly a year ago 
we didn't know as much then as we do now. So we're still hopeful that this is not the end. Obviously, we're very disappointed this morning to get this um, decision not ruled in our favour, but this is not the end. This is only the beginning. Remind listeners why, as a group, you're objecting to this factory. There's an array of different reasons, um, mainly the lack of detail in the original planning, the lack of an environmental impact assessment or an environmental impact study. Um, They were just below the threshold of 5,000 square metres to require one mandatory of them. And you know, there's a lot of that. They're just below this threshold, just below that threshold. But even though they didn't need to mandatorily have one, um, 39 objections or submissions went in. Almost all of them were querying environmental issues like emissions, smells, odours, noise, light, all these concerns. And, you know, the council could have still asked them to do one at the further information stage, but they, in their wisdom, decided not to. And, again, in our appeal to Umbor Planala, we were... Make, that was the strong grounds for our appeal and they decided not to well unless they did you know as I said I haven't seen the conditions if they're asking them for an EIS but I doubt very much if there is they would have done that before granting the planning um, so obviously there's environmental concerns there's concerns with the traffic coming in and out as give rain down the narrow street through the town there's noise levels there's where's all this stuff going to end up it's small tiny pellets or nurdles of plastic which are smaller than the grids of our um, water treatment plants, so they will end up out into the Island River. And there's three special areas of conservation within a few kilometres of this site. You know, if there, if you want to build a factory or any kind of a thing like that, within 10 or 15 kilometres of a SAC, you have to have special screening assessment for these SACs. We have Loch Ayn within two kilometres of the site. We have... Um, Sheep's Head to Towhead is another one, and we have Roaring Water Bay and the Islands as a third SAC, all within the, the required distance of this site. And, and that didn't come into it at all no, when, when the planning no, was. No. So I don't know, like, it's all just, and God, I'm like, here, they're living in a bubble. Like, and to, you know, this year, of all years, I was kind of optimistically telling myself that, Jesus, it's the best year ever to be appealing a decision of granting for a plastic factory with the whole world talking about plastics and the need for humans to change our way. Uh, you, you know, know uh, it was funny because, not, it's, it's not in any way funny, well, I yeah. watched that um, BBC programme Drowning in Plastics yeah, with, uh, yeah. with Lisa Bonham yeah. um, and, and I remember as I was watching it thinking, God almighty, and they're trying to build a plastics factory in exactly. Green. It yeah. was almost sounded like an Irish joke. You're thinking, yeah, yeah. you know, the whole world is waking up to the fact we are drowning in plastics. Oh, we need to move away from it. Totally. And people say, oh, there's a plastic factory in Clannacill, there's a plastic That's like, you know, uh, it's not an argument. And I think more and more people are seeing that, look, this is not what we want on our beautiful West Cork, it's scenic on the Wild Atlantic Way, on the main road to Baltimore, on the Wild Atlantic Way. And, like I said, everything that's happening around the world from the other side. Like this factory, you know, this company, RTT, they, in the last couple of weeks, their factory in France, there was a fire there. And yeah, so we actually, I'm just spotting a text in. Aidan yeah. Skibbereen says, Patricia, uh, will you ask um, him about a fire a few days ago in a similar factory owned by yeah. RTP in uh, France? Uh, is a catastrophe in the waiting? Are people, exactly. wor- are people worried about that? Absolutely. Well, if they're not, they should be. And I think a lot of people and clubs and organisations and people in general around the area need to know that we have the decision come on board and make their own decisions. You know, do they want this or not? Lots of people kind of maybe 
not taking any side because they wait and see the decision. Now we have the decision. Do you know, if they don't realise that, like that factory in France, we met some of the people from RTP in Skibreen on the 13th of December last year, almost exactly a year ago. And they, the man who was from that French plant state, at that stage had a plant in France and a plant in Germany. Since then, they've opened a plant in Poland with 8,000 square metres, anticipating 25 people employed. Skibreen is five-eighths of that size. So doing the maths, this is not going to be a big employer for Skibreen. It's going to be a huge net loss of employment. All the jobs that are potentially at risk because of allowing this small-minded, short-sighted thing to go ahead. But that factory in France, it was asked of that French man that day. It's in Beaune, B-E-A-U-N-E. They produce beautiful wine in that area. That's a very expensive French wine. My wife is from France. And he said, oh, we've never had a fire. Well, now they have. They had a fire on Saturday night, the 28th of October. And a significant fire it was. And there's footage available on our social media outlets sourced from French media of that fire. You and don't, you don't so, even want to think about a fire in oh, a plastic factory. Sake. It takes a while to, for the effects of fires like that to come ahead. Like we had a fire and, you know, I know the family involved down in Baltimore in the past few months as well. So fires, you know, they can happen and that's a, a business that's been there for 40 years or more and, you know, you don't wish any fires, obviously, but they can happen. That's happened and this one happened with this company who never had a fire. No, they have had a fire and the effects of that on the land, on the farms, Cattle eating grass, cows give milk, milk goes to our own, it's all into the food chain. It's just too serious of an issue now for people to remain silent on it. What's what's on the site at the moment where the proposed factory will go? There's beautiful lush green grass. Ah, so okay. Yeah, Yeah, but on the adjacent site, it was um, originally a farm. The IDA bought the sites back in the late 70s. There's three existing units. They've all been there. The last one of those was built, uh, planning application on it in 1982. And the only development on that all original IDA land since is a nursing home and retirement village with up to 100 people living in it, right next to this thing. And the prevailing wind is going to carry these emissions and whatever else is coming out of the four chimney stacks across that nursing home, across the town centre of Skibreen, up to our lovely new secondary school, which was officially opened a couple of weeks ago. And on to farms, as I said, and the water from rain. We've had a lot of rain and a lot of water running down that stream the last couple of weeks. That stream runs right through that site. And whatever spillages of these nurdles on the site are carried into the water, into the river, and worse as roars down the river, fish, mussels, everything. That's a sustainable employment. Like there's lots of lads out in Roaring Water Bay, shrimping and mussling, all employing two or three people at it. There's more jobs in shore. It's just so short sighted. And because there's no environmental impact study, we have no way of knowing. No, we're, we, can't. we can only guess. Well, we've no, no way exactly. of knowing what, what 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 impact it's going to do. Somebody says, no. uh, Patricia, you can't win with people. They'll be on next week saying there are no jobs in the town that they grew up in. But I don't think that's the case. This no, is not going not. to be a big employer. Certainly not. And I'd like to meet that person who sent in the comment and have a discussion and see that this is not going to be. If they listened, this is not going to be a brilliant investment factory into the town like we had in previous years. Like we have lots of great employment in town. Look at Spearline, look at Ludgate, look at West Curtis. Yeah. They're all new businesses and skip all sustainable, not any fumes coming out of chimneys or anything like that. You know, they're bringing people back to their home place of Skibreen. Skibreen is definitely on the up and is a success story in the last few years. And I've always said that I'm very involved in Skibreen all my life and my family are. 
and we've always employed people in Skibbereen so we are yeah. certainly not ending and, the job. And another listener said bitterly disappointed with this news this is going to be so bad for uh, Skibbereen. Somebody else says who are the company? Um, RTP. All I know is they're, they're a global player in the plastics industry. Do you know much more about them? I don't. The woman of the family the family is called Miller and Mrs. Miller was originally a daily from Drina and she's doing a great thing of giving this factory back to her home place where she came from. I would hope at this stage still that that family might see, like we had a recent petition went up this day last week, there's over 6,000 signatures on it calling for this thing not to go ahead. We had original petitions back in January before the planning appeal went in with similar three, 4,000 signatures and concrete physical petitions around the town also. So it's not just random people who are on Facebook all day that are signing these. It's Most of them are genuinely either living here, from here, or visitors here, and repeat visitors here. They do not want this thing. And no one has told me face-to-face that they want this thing. So, as I said, we've had a couple of public meetings. There's been great crowds at them, and everyone at the meeting is on the same side. I'd love to have other people go. Like, there's some councillors that don't come to the meetings. Uh, I don't know. They need to put their head above the parapet now as well. Okay, where where can you go from here, or can you? And, and now that I'm board Planol, I've granted permission. Is there yeah. any other appeal routes open to you? There is, yeah. We're, as I said, we'll assess the conditions attached when we see them, hopefully this evening. And in the next couple of days, we'll get the report from on board Planol themselves. And yeah, we will be looking to take this further. Absolutely, this okay. is not the end of the road. And okay, on that, just if I could just tell your listeners, we we will have a public meeting again in Skibbereen on Thursday of next week the 13th of December in the West Cork Hotel at 8pm okay. and by which time we will have much more information as to the course ahead of us so we'll, we'll be deferred for a moment okay. We'll talk again uh, Brendan yeah. thank you for that and Thanks very much And uh, thanks for joining us that is uh, Brendan McCarthy who is part of the Save Our Skibbereen the local action group with the worrying news for people involved with that local action group that Amborplanola have granted permission for a plastics factory to go ahead in uh, Skibberino. It does, dip, it's, it comes with revised conditions, but we don't have the revised conditions as of now. So we're waiting till we see those re- revised conditions and it is uh, certainly a topic that we will get back to. 1850 at one oh at three, going to quickly go to uh, oh no. Do you know what we're going to do? Uh, if Bernie is ready to go, uh, we'll go with our competition. We'll go with our competition. Okay, this is Rod Stewart. Where is Rod Stewart? He's there. That's a little bit of Rod Stewart for you. What song is that? What Rod Stewart track uh, have we just played? Caller 10 to get through to Bernie now at 1850 333 103. Uh, Caller 10 to get through who can identify this track. And if you do that, you are, and you are lucky caller number 10 with the correct uh, answer, we'll uh, send you a pair of tickets to get you to see Rod Stewart when he plays Porky Cueve next year, May the 25th, Saturday, May the 25th. Um, and tickets, by the way, are on sale at ticketmaster.ie and they are a perfect Christmas gift for all Rod Stewart fans. We've more of those tickets, by the way, to give away for live with Porky Cueve. We'll be giving them away during uh, the week. But Bernie, taking the calls at 1850 333 103. Now, I had... An, um, 
a WhatsApp in earlier on from a listener and we have tried to call her back um, and she hasn't taken our call. So just in case that she is still listening to us, she contacted us this morning because she financially finds herself in a bit of a pickle in that something's gone wrong with her social welfare payment and I'm unsure of what's gone wrong with her social welfare payment that's why we Bernie put a call through to see if we could talk to her and get more details from her she seems she's a mum with a young baby when she got onto the Department of Social Protection to say that her money wasn't there they said yeah there seems to be some problem but that they're working on it it'll be sorted out but it may not be sorted out until after Christmas and obviously we're three weeks away and she doesn't have any money and she's a young baby and she doesn't know as she said in her text I don't know how I'm going to manage uh, with uh, for Christmas with a young baby. Now my instant reaction there was to send her to the community welfare officer because the community welfare officer there is a payment in place an emergency payment in place and nobody should be once because things like that happen payments for whatever reason people fall between the cracks while they're trying to sort out a payment and that's where the community welfare officer comes in but you've got to go you have to present to the local community welfare officer with your case tell your story explain what's happened and you receive a payment that's my understanding of how the community welfare officer works so I was trying to make contact with her so I could direct her because I don't know you know I, I don't I know she's somewhere in West Cork but I'm, I'm unsure exactly where she is in West Cork so if that young mother who contacted us is listening it was us trying to call you back and I'm sure Bernie left a message if you want to call us and we can see if we can help you out in some way and give you advice of but certainly you don't need to be completely without money we'll see if we can sort out some help for you Um, uh, there's no point ringing 1850 at the moment because uh, the phone lines are really busy with our with our Rod Stewart competition but you can WhatsApp us back at 0862 103 103. We were talking about Christmas and Christmas songs and we're playing Christmas songs here on C103 and we'll be right up to Christmas playing all of the lovely Christmas songs and Christmas songs I think are are a great way as well of bringing back a memory I mean you know you can hear a Christmas song it'll bring you back to your childhood or something like that I think there is something magical about Christmas songs but of course we were the reason that we kicked off a discussion on Christmas music is the news that's come out initially from the States to say that one radio station over there has decided to ban Baby It's Cold Outside it's been dropped over what they're claiming are date rate lyrics and it's out of step with the Me Too movement and that led to the whole political correctness and what people can and can't do at Christmas anymore. Well Dan says Hi Patricia, listening to your comments earlier about Christmas songs and Christmas carols on radio stations. My Christmas this year will be what it has been for the last 61 years. Next week my decorations will go up, including my crib. At every chance I'll be in the shops looking at and soaking up the Christmas magic and having a bit of laugh at the stress levels rising as we get closer to Christmas Day. I'll be watching Christmas movies at every chance. I'll be playing Christmas songs. I'll be playing them continuously. I'll be remembering my own childhood Christmases and the magic around every part of it. From the sounds of a way in a manger, silent night and waking up on Christmas morning just to see what Santa Claus might have brought. And when I'm sitting on the couch in front of the fire with my special lady listening to Baby It's Cold Outside, 
I'll spare a little thought for the Scrooges, the Humburgers and the PC Brigade in their sad, cold and lonely world. And then he puts a happy smiley face kind of guards, Dan. Well done, Dan. Yeah, uh, Christmas is what you make of it yourself. You, you are so right, Christmas. That literally is. I think you've nailed it in that text. Christmas is you can make it as magical as you want. You don't need to spend a fortune. Uh, you can spend as little as you want or as much as you want. And you can stop calling us, by the way. Thank you, Dan, for your text. You can stop calling us on our Rod Stewart competition. The track we played was, of course, Baby Jane. And our winner is Margaret Collins, The Square in Dunmanway. Congratulations to you, Margaret. You've won a pair of tickets to go see Rod Stewart, Porky Queef next May. Have fun at the gig. And we have more of those tickets to give away later on in the week. But in the meantime, if you want to buy yourself some tickets or buy tickets for Rod Stewart fans, which make a lovely Christmas present, go on to ticketmaster.ie. OK, we're going to take a break and we're back with Annalise Drissel, our nutritional therapist, answering your questions first Monday of the month. Um, she'll answer any questions you have. You can get them in or you can text her WhatsApp 0862 103 103. And Annalise Drissel from the Health Hub Times Square in Ballincollig uh, joining us on this Monday afternoon. Good afternoon to you, Annalise. Good afternoon, Patricia. First Monday of the month. So we hand it over to the listeners to decide what we will talk about today. Lots and lots of questions in. Let's kick it off with Mary in Middleton. She's recently been diagnosed with type 2 diabetes, was told to stay off all sugars. She wonders, does that mean sugar in fruit as well as cakes and biscuits? Yes, um, to a certain extent. Now, I would think that two pieces of fruit a day are healthy enough for anybody, um, that regardless of whether you have type 2 diabetes or not, um, so the same advice would go for people with type 2 diabetes and without. The interesting um, thing about the type 2 diabetes is that in many cases, Patricia, it is fully reversible. There's a couple of factors that can help you reduce your needs maybe to go on medication. One of them would be to lose weight, particularly around the middle. That's a massive factor in developing type 2 diabetes. Uh, the other thing is to cut all carbohydrates as, out of your diet. So some studies have shown that in little as three weeks, blood sugars can go back to normal levels um, on one of these kind of diets. Now, it's a bit of a, a, a mindset change because um, we've been told that full fat foods for so long are bad for our health that it, it appears that you're going to be eating a very unhealthy diet. The focus is on um, good quality protein and fats. So um, fish is a very good source, chicken or uh, free-range chicken. Lean meat um, two or three times a week is fine as well. And then lots and lots of vegetables. So you're avoiding things like uh, bread, potato, pasta, rice, all of those carbohydrates. And for type 2 diabetics, that forces their body into burning fat as a fuel. And it does seem to have a massive um, effect in terms of reversing uh, blood sugars. Yeah, I've I've certainly spoken to people over the years who have managed to reverse it, which is which was something we never thought uh, could happen, and and it certainly does. Um, Eileen in in Mallow, could Annalise suggest anything to help with stress in adults? Yeah, there's quite a few things, Patricia, um, that will help with stress. Some of them will help almost immediately, and then some will help support the body through stressful periods of time. So the immediate ones, I'm a big fan of the Doctor Dealish Clare Relax Blend. Um, it's a blend of various different herbs and it, it works on the kind of fight or flight side of the nervous system that makes you feel stressed and makes you feel a bit speedy. So it works to kind of rebalance that and within 10 minutes it can kind of help calm you down. Uh, a lot of people now would take it before exams or before 
um, an interview. I've actually a lot of ladies who got a bit of a, dr- a fright in driving, so now they take it before they go have to drive somewhere, and it just stops the jitters. Um, so that's an immediate one. It also is great at night time if you've got the busy brain and a kind of speedy brain to stop it and calm it down so that you can get a good night's sleep. So that's the Dr. Dealish Care Relax Blend. Another thing that works pretty quickly as well is something called L-theanine. It's spelled a capital L and then a dash T-H-E-A-N-I-N-E. And it's an amino acid that you find um, mainly in green tea. Again, this will have a very rapid effect in terms of focus and calm. Uh, a lot of my customers would also use it for kids that are a bit um, ADHD or hyperactive because it helps the fidgets and they um, helps them to focus their minds much better. And again, that would kick in very quickly. And then for long-term stress, you definitely need to be on the B vitamins, magnesium and vitamin C because you'll be using those up at a much higher rate. Um, rhodiola is a lovely herb that um, is very good for supporting your body through times of stress. It's spelled R-H-O-D-I-O-L-A. And I'd always think of it like a kind of a gentle elderly ant because it's a really gentle herb. It doesn't have a kind of a, a quick effect, but it's the kind of thing a month later you go, oh, yes, actually, I would have had a meltdown now last month mm. when that happened. But now I'm coping much better. Um, so that's another lovely one to support the body through stressful times. And you can actually get complexes like the higher nature do a balance for nerves. And that has a mix of vitamin C, the B vitamins, magnesium. It has some L-theanine. It has some um, passion flower. So there's a lot of nice things in there to help. So a lot there. There's There's a lot there. There's a lot there. Um, Lee's question for you, please. My cholesterol is seven. Is that high? And what can I do to reduce it? Well, yes, in terms of the Irish measure. um, I always say that 6.5 is the safe measure measure in Sweden. Ours only went down from six to five. Um, coincidentally, when the patent ran out on statins, they dropped the um, they dropped the threshold. So I think the big factor is um, what is your good cholesterol. So the good cholesterol will carry cholesterol away from arteries back to the liver for for getting rid of it. And if your good cholesterol is high, that can push up your overall cholesterol. So, but it would actually mean that you're very healthy. So it's about the breakdown. The other factors then would be, are you carrying weight around the middle? Have you got high blood pressure? Is there a family history of heart disease and are you overweight? If if you have none of those other factors, I wouldn't personally feel that a statin would be the right answer. Um, You could try maybe something like Xerocol or the plant sterols that you get in the Fluoroproactives and the Benicols to bring it down. Um, You can also try red rice yeast, which is a kind of a natural version of the statin um, you'll get those in any health shops and that can bring it down quite significantly as well before you go on the drug. The, I, the fact that we were just talking about stress um, a couple of minutes ago does stress lead to high cholesterol is there very, any link there? Very much so does it, because yeah. your stress hormones cortisol um, are made actually from cholesterol so when you're stressed you will produce more cholesterol naturally in the liver to fulfil the extra stress hormones that you have to produce. Another time cholesterol will go up is when you start going through menopause because your sex hormones are made from cholesterol. Um, cholesterol. Yeah. So a lot of women will notice their cholesterol spikes when they're starting, when they're perimenopausal. Again, I don't think that going on a medication at that point should be the first okay. port protocol. Yeah. Okay, Annalise, any recommendations please for psoriasis in my nails? Now that's a very unusual one. Generally psoriasis is a skin condition um, so it would be mostly on sort of arms and legs especially joints 
So psoriasis on the nails, who it's a difficult one, really. Psoriasis kind of comes from the inside. It's where your body is turning over skin cells very rapidly, much more rapidly than normal, and they form these kind of scales and plaques. Normally, I think the rule of thumb should be something like a high dose of vitamin D and the fish oils, a high dose of the EPA and DHA fish oils, because they all have an immunomodulatory effect. Diet is a big link as well, Patricia, and um, sometimes people will pick up, will will get psoriasis after a virus. It's like some, you know, the body gets a bit confused and the immune system gets confused. So maybe take a look at that. A probiotic might be um, suitable in that case. And then in terms of skin, uh, creams, I'm a big fan of the Oregon Grape Root Balm. Uh, Viridian is a company that do one, so it's Oregon Grape Root. And that is very high in a chemical that seems to have an emod- a modulatory effect on psoriasis. So perhaps try putting that on. Stay with nails, but this time it's a fungal infection. Margaret says, hi, any suggestion for a fungal infection in my toenail? I have used tea tree oil. Any other suggestions, please? Yeah, I'm a big fan of the grapefruit seed extract. It's a very, very powerful natural antifungal. So you'll get it in a health shop. You want the liquid. It's called actually citricidal and it's spelled um, C-I-T-R-I-C-I-D-A-L. And it's a liquid extract of the seeds of the grapefruit. So you can either dab a little bit onto cotton wool and put it around the toenail. Also, I'd recommend soaking your feet two or three times a week in a warm water bath with probably 10 or 15 drops of the citricidal so it can get right in underneath the toenails. If you've got broken skin, don't put it on directly because it'll sting the bejesus out of you. <laughs> so uh, be careful if there's any broken skin. But I do the foot bath twice weekly for a couple of weeks and try and put it on morning and evening. And it should really clear up in a couple of weeks. Question, please, for Annalise, says a texter. What would you recommend for gout? It's Mary in West Cork. One of her sons has been diagnosed with gout. Uh, would Annalise suggest cider vinegar? No, I would suggest sour cherry um, juice. So that is absolutely amazing for gout. And I have a lot of customers who have remained gout free for the last number of years just by drinking it proactively, taking um, a drink of it every day. So gout is the buildup of uric acid in the blood. And often it's a genetic thing as well. Um, It used to be known as the rich man's disease Mm. because the purines would come from all of the rich foods like cheese and wine and beer and... Um, and Henry VIII classically had it. Exactly, yeah. classically. So the heavy heavy meat, heavy saturated fat diet. Um, so, yeah, the cherry juice is great because it can help your kidneys clear the uric acid. What happens with the uric acid is that it tends to crystallise in the joints and then it's absolutely excruciating the pain, the inflammation, because those crystals are scrunching every time you move your joints. So black, um, it has to be sour, sorry, Montmorency or sour cherry juice. And you can get concentrate or you can get it um, in its, you know, natural, unconcentrated form. You can also get it in capsules. But I think if you can drink the juice, it's far better daily. Okay, and Susan in Clan, bless her heart, broke her ankle. Is there anything to help heal the bone? She's in her late 50s. Yes, so actually I broke my wrist myself recently. Did you? I did. I was on the tube um, escalator in London and lovely gentlemen who were going to um, a a military reunion unbalanced and fell on top of me. So it was a really bad fall. I was lucky it was just my wrist. And I healed very quickly. I took vitamin C, which is very important for the collagen. I didn't take calcium, but I made sure I was getting lots of green leafy vegetables in my diet and I was eating a big handful of almonds every day. 
uh, to get my calcium in that way. And I also took the Dr. Delish Clare Bone Tea, which um, has a herb in there called Knit Bone. And it's very good to help you take the calcium out of the bloodstream and get it onto the bone where it's needed. Um, and of course, a vitamin D, so I would absorb my calcium as well. So vitamin D, vitamin C, increase the calcium in your diet. And if you can get your hands on that bone tea, that will work as well. And do you believe your own bone heals faster? Oh, I took, well, I should, didn't say it now when I went into the fracture clinic, but I took my cast off after four weeks, Patricia. It was and it was fine. Okay, we're not advising anybody else to do that, no. by the way. Okay. No. All right, listen, pleasure as always. Have a good week and we'll chat again Patricia. next week. Thanks a million. That is Annalise Dressel, who runs the Health Hub Times Square in Balancholic. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to Bernie Murphy, who was sitting in for uh, John Paul for producing. We have more of those uh, Rod Stewart tickets to give away, but we'll give them away during the week. So make sure you stay tuned uh, for that until tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock. I'm Patricia Messenger. Good afternoon to you. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. When it comes to your finances, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, and you've invested all that you can. Now it's time to take those investments to the next level by using the brand behind every great investor, Yahoo Finance. As America's number one finance destination, Yahoo Finance has everything you need, whether you're a seasoned trader or just dipping your toes into the market. Join the millions of investors who trust Yahoo Finance to guide them on their financial journey. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com.